everybody, to yet another edition of Going for Two, the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter. I am your host, publisher of said newsletter, Matt Brown, coming at you here from beautiful northwest side of Chicago. I am joined, uh, not as always, but as almost always, by, by my, my colleague, my friend, and co-host, Mr. Brian Fisher. Brian, it's been it's been a hell of a week, and it's only Tuesday. What's the, what's the old, uh, for, from 30 rock, you know, it's, it's only Wednesday women, you know, it's <laughs> one of those weeks. I, I tell you what, uh, but a lot going on in, in college sports because it, it feels like it's, it's finals time. Everybody's cramming. And, and yeah. that, that seems to be the case, uh, across the, the NCAA governance structure, uh, conference realignment. We got college football going crazy. Uh, heck even the, even the NFL has, uh, taken a week off and, and thrown an extra dash of chaos in there. So it, it, it's been a wild week, like you said. And I think we have all aged, uh, quite a bit these last, uh, say 48 hours yeah we the video isn't on this podcaster right now but i I think i have about five percent more gray hair than i did maybe a week and a half ago i'm gonna go ahead and tease something like you've probably seen if if you've already seen yesterday's extra points or wednesday's extra points you know about some of this but brian and i have some big news unrelated to conference realignment or conference bylaws that we want to get into at the end of the show but because that is self-indulgent and you are downloading the show because you want hard-hitting college sports analysis. Uh, we, I, I want to talk about some of the other things here first. Um, beyond Ben's NFL craziness, beyond what the NFL did to my beautiful, my beautiful boy, Justin Fields, in national television, an abject disgrace. I, I do want to talk about something interesting out of Indianapolis. You guys, you guys may have seen this on, um, on Monday. Uh, the, this, the memo goes out to NCAA membership. Uh, Brian and I were CC'd on this. Most of the media got it here too. Uh, I, that's a, a draft of the new NCAA con- uh, constitution. This has been what's going on right now. There's going to be a, a, a big meeting later this month. There's going to be other meetings early next year. Uh, it's not a especially large document. It's 21 pages, um, which is you know the the size of like the articles of incorporation for like any kind of small business really, but it lays out what the uh, initial draft of what like NCAA 3.0 might look like. And there are a couple of things here stood out to me. I've been on the phone um, this morning and yesterday with some other bylaw and compliance experts because I wanted to make sure what I was reading passed the sniff test. Um, before we kind of dig into that, was there anything when you looked at this, Brian, that jumped out to you as being especially new or, or unique or, or, or novel? There are, there are a couple of things that seemed a little bit different, but did anything immediately jump out to you? You know, not to get too into the weeds for, for a lot of folks out there that might uh, might embrace the the compliance life, so to speak. But uh, you buddy, know, I think buddy, a- th- that that is this podcast. This exactly. is the weeds. <laughs> it, it's okay. Uh, but, you know, like, I, I think it's important to kind of go back a little bit, you know, like the, the quote unquote NCA constitution as, as it was is currently constructed is, is essentially, you know, when, when they hand you that big old thick manual of, of NCA bylaws, it's, it's really the articles one through six. Um, that is the quote unquote constitution that is currently uh, that the NCA has. And this is kind of reenacting and, and, and changing that up a little bit, you know, being a little bit more broader. And, and I think the one thing that struck me from you know, reading the, the particular uh, updated one that uh, they released last week is um, really just the, the composition of the board of directors shrinking and, and how the changes in terms of the overall overarching governance is going to uh, be altered. Obviously, it gives a lot more power to the various divisions and basically says you guys are on, on your own. You know, if there, there's a very clear line in the sand between division one and division two and division three. And I think that the bigger things from my mind was just the, the overall governance changes uh, at the highest level and then down into the weeds at the lowest level. 
the um, what what what's your what the, the idea of 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 punting to the division structures or, or giving or, or delegating or, or giving more structure for them and kind of changing what the board of directors is looking like was probably the single largest takeaway that I had from from reading this and that's not actually a trivial thing, right? So one of the challenges that I've heard a lot over the last year, and I imagine this has come up for you as well, when if you are the kind of person that's like, why the hell are we re-upping Mark Emmer? Why is the NCAA doing this? Why is it, clearly it's not hard to think of something to make fun of them for. Well, the people that are fundamentally like in capital C charge of everything, that's the board of directors. And it's a big group. It's a lot of university presidents across multiple different divisions. You have Grant Hill is on this thing for, for some reason, right? Like you, and when it's that large, the feedback that I gotten was it, it's kind of easy to kind of diffuse responsibility. If, 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 if your decision-making body is several dozens of people, all of whom have other jobs, then it's not anybody's like job to make a change or something. Now we're, we're looking at a, a nine member body as, as I understand it. Um, two of them are not going to be paid by any other member institution. They're going to be totally independent, whether that's the Condoleezza Rice Memorial NCAA post or some other like ex politico person or a random ex athlete or one of us. I don't know. Um, if, if elected, if, if called upon, I will not serve. Um, just in case anybody from Indianapolis is, uh, is, is listening. Um, we don't know, but a smaller group, I would imagine, would make it a little bit easier to push for some of those or at least hold members accountable. But a lot of the really big thorny questions about what's the infractions process going to look like? Who's in charge of that? What is a division? Who, who is in charge of what's going to be in what division? That's no longer going to be the NCAA's job. I'm making air quotes right now with my hands to, for this visual medium that is podcasting. That's going to be each division's job, as I understand it, right? Absolutely. So there's going to be this constitutional convention that's kind of going to go over this one more time on, on November 15th. That's kind of the, the starting point for this constitution. But in terms of the individual divisions, they all have different timelines. You know, with Division One, uh, you're starting in, in December. They're going to pass some things with the Division One Council. Uh, you obviously have the NCAA convention in January. Uh, ideally, they have everything wrapped up by next summer and uh, by next August uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, Division One, and they've already announced this transformational committee. Uh, and, and yes, there is another committee on the committee on the committee. But, uh, you know, that, that's NCA governance right now, right? Uh, it, you know, the thing is, the Division One structure itself is probably going to undergo the most radical of changes. You know, that, that is obviously where all the attention is, where most of the money is. And, and that is where a lot of the focus I think everybody is going to have is what is going to happen to Division One. And, and that is going to go undergo the biggest changes. And I think what the Constitution itself kind of lays out very clearly to everybody involved is that there, there's a huge separation, a huge gap between Division One and every, you know, Division Two and Three, and and that's ultimately what those Division Two and Division Three schools kind of want too. Yep. You know, if, if they're not transitioning, you know, they, they want to have that. You know, look, we, we we have a different mindset, not only in terms of college athletics, but in terms of you know our institutional profile, in terms of what we value, uh, in terms of what we want to do and accomplish on the athletics front. And I think this kind of spells that out a little bit more formally. And then you transition that into Division One much more of a business that there are a lot more business concerns. And I think this is a way to kind of address some of those tensions in, involved with those business decisions, uh, you know, at the division one level, um, you're going to start to see some breakups. There was always a lot of talk about, well, will there be a division four or will there be a breakup of, you know, FBS, FCS, another fracture. And, and this kind of lays the groundwork to splinter things a little bit more clearly and, and allow for a little bit closer governance based on sport, 
based on what kind of institutional profile you'll have, even if you're in that larger you know, kind of umbrella of Division One, And so a lot of changes, a lot of things are, are flying at, at everybody. But I think that the key thing in, in my mind from this entire process is that they're, they're finally addressing some of those inherent institutional flaws with the NCA and, and how things are governed. When you have a thousand schools, when you, when you have uh, a lot of competing agendas, this is going to kind of address some of those uh, issues and that friction a little bit because you're, you're kind of siloed off a little bit more in terms of making those rules and, and governing yourself. There are very few like hard and fast rules or principles that, as I read this, are going to apply to everybody that's in the NCAA. Like whether you're one, two, or three, you are going to need to have some sort of uniform name, image, and likeness policy. To what extent those uniform name, image, and likeness policies will stand up to litigation threats? I don't know. But right now, like that's whether you're talking to somebody at Amherst or Arizona State, you will an administrator and a coach will tell you we wish we had that because it, it limits what we can what we, or we feel we can actually tell and and and, and participate. So that's part of here, right? You have a unified commitment to institutional control, a unified commitment to um, you know, minority and diversity inclusion. Uh, there's there's a lot more in here, and it's just words for now, but it's maybe more than there were before about this idea of student of excuse me like athlete representation athlete mental health outcomes, mental physical outcomes, and independent health outcomes, right? Like this idea that your the individuals responsible for your physical and mental health should be independent, should not necessarily directly report to your coach um, or the athletic department. And more schools are doing this where your trainers may report to the medical school or report to a different part of the university as to not have that those conflicts of interest. My reading, and, and I talked to a few other professionals, are like, no, this is what I saw too, that there would be pushes to make that standardized. I think a lot of individuals within the greater college sports infrastructure have, have looked at a lot of these big abuse scandals over the last several years and decided, and are, are, are voicing here, at least on this very small level, we uh, our current system is not set up to really protect those and to protect the students as as well as it should. So this, I think, is a step, not nearly the final step, but a step towards trying to rectify that problem. Yeah, the the student athlete experience is kind of the, the catch all term for this, right? And and I think it does encompass a lot of things, and it means a lot to a lot of different members. You know, whether you're competing at the highest levels at, at Alabama playing football and, and in the SEC versus, you know, whether you're, you're just a Division one school without football and you you, you just want to kind of have a, a basketball program and have access to those championships, the student athlete experience is, is going to vary widely. And you know, credit to the NCAA leaders, kind of more formally incorporating you know student athlete voices. You know, we, we've always heard about. Um, uh, the, the student athlete committee or, you know, SAC and, and various, you know, ways that uh, student athletes can have a voice in governance. But really over the last, say, six, seven years, that, that's really been codified in terms of actually having a voice, actually sitting on these councils. And, um, you know, not only have the athletes themselves been pushing for it, but I, I think you're starting to see a realization uh, amongst the administrators, amongst the leaders that that they want that. They, they want those uh, opinions of people that are, they're actually being governed. You know, they're actually the ones yeah. that need representation uh, on these big time uh, at, uh, 
different places. And I, I think, you know, to take it a little bit further, I mean, even at the division one level in particular, you're going to see potentially, you know, a school's direct uh, contributions, uh, you know, going towards uh, what, what they spend on student athletes, you know, being taken into account uh, in, in certain aspects, not, not just in terms of the revenue, revenue distributions back out, but in terms of governance, you know, if, if you're just not supporting your student athletes at, at a level that uh, another school is, it might be governed by different rules. And so I think there's a little bit of flexibility on, on that front in terms of addressing uh, some student athletes needs and, 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 you know, addressing some institutional, I guess, needs uh, for others. I think that that speaks to one of the other more interesting things that was, was really explicitly spelled out because what I've been hearing for the last year from fans, from readers, couple of different message board kind of type people. Right. And, and even some administrators like talking about like, look, you know, the power five can't split or we can't reclassify or we can't do X, Y, or Z with conferences because of bylaw X or bylaw Y. Um, and I've you know, been saying like, there's no guarantee any of that stuff's going to stick, stay the same. And what we're, we'd see here, if, if, assuming that this goes through the convention or something similar to it is divisions are going to have a lot of autonomy for creating subgroupings by sport. So you're right. If, if, if Division One gets together and whatever the, the, their their council decides and say we want to have a kind of subdivision within Division One for softball that plays by different scholarship rules than the rest of Division One, you could do that. We could. I mean, right? Like you, they're, well, they're, yeah. You mentioned scholarships right there. I mean, that has been a big sticking point for a lot of, especially the quote unquote Power Five schools, is yep. they, they want to fund the equivalency sports, you know, instead of splitting six, seven scholarships among uh, various sports, they want to fund them all, you know, they, they have that money to fund all of those scholarships. And obviously, that leads to a lot of tension between schools, whether they're, say, in the MAC, who maybe can't shoulder some of those scholarship costs, or maybe they're a smaller Division One school that uh, simply does not have the, the, the money uh, in terms of the direct institutional yeah. support. To f- or or, to fund or does it, does it, would defeat the point of them having a team to begin with, right? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're Presbyterian, you're division one explicitly. So you don't have to do those scholarships so you can get tuition paying butts on campus. Um, and so, it, yeah, yeah. So, but see that, that, that tension between yep. what one school wants to do and, and they're under the same division one umbrella, but now there, there can be a little bit of, of some separation between the two, some acknowledgement that this school has the resources to kind of go above and beyond. And you know, yeah, it's, it's going to lead to some inequity here and there and some changes in terms of that, that overall division one tournament and, and NCAA championships that you start to see. But um, I think it is still in the best interest of, of the student athlete themselves. And that's why a lot of these, uh, you know, administrators and, and presidents want to kind of go down this path is it does provide those additional opportunities. The additional uh, revenue can go straight to the students that, that, that truly do need it. And, um, you know, I think it can make for a better experience overall, whether it, you're talking about baseball, whether you're talking about uh, all the way up to the upper reaches of football. And, and you mentioned, you know, splitting off um, again. I mean, how many times have you heard from the, the, the night commission folks or, you know, the Drake group or whoever it might be in terms of splitting football off from the NCAA, this Maybe not quite in terms of what they wanted to, uh, but this kind of allows for that kind of path uh, down towards where football is is definitely completely separate, uh, not just at the FCS and FBS levels, but in terms of governance, in terms of even the, the playing rules, so the, the scholarships, the transfers, all that, all the the kind of nitty gritty in terms of the day to day running of, of football, um, you know, can can kind of split up even further from uh, their basketball countercourts from the division one itself, uh, you, you can kind of see that, uh, those lines forming, uh, based on what we saw out of this constitution. Yeah, that is, I think 
one thing that could could certainly happen. I think we would get more information about this before, you know, as as this that this particular constitution becomes codified and what the division one constitution or bylaws becomes a little bit more concrete and, and less hypothetical, but like right up front, I would say like, this is one potential outcome that I think in the, in the industry of fans should like uh, allow themselves to think about the idea here that there may be subgroups both for co- for college football and for Olympic sports and, and for other things. And, and this is something honestly I've advocated for um, and it could become a possibility. Uh, there's two other things I think within that kind of world that are important to, to talk about. I don't know about you, but beyond frustration with like the proverbial NCAA itself, the number one thing that my readers and my sources and, and people in, in other publications have expressed really just dis, uh, discomfort with and frustration with has been the infractions and investigations process. Right now, if you break an NCAA rule, you're that rule, that process could take, two, three, four, five years. Uh, when your punishments come down, it might have nothing to do with anybody that's still on campus. You may be, uh, the people like, judging that may be, uh, inst- you know, will be fellow institutions um, and nobody likes it. And when you are, when you remove the infractions process and put that like, okay, now division one, you get to set up your own thing. Like multiple uh, pro- compliance professionals said, I kind of think they're going to outsource that completely. And they might just say, we're not going to have division one. It's not going to have an in-house infractions team anymore, investigations team. We're going to outsource that to these three law firms. And we're going to outsource the, the adjudication process and the resolution process to this other company or you know the, this other group of firms. And that's what, that's what we're going to do. I would imagine that, that the timetable and who actually does the investigating and what the punishments look like, I imagine that's going to look very, very different from the way it does now where – no stakeholder would sit back and say, "Like I feel good about the way that we we handle infractions um, w- at the Division One level." I mean that that has been true for for years now, and, and I think it's interesting too because uh, you know the, the infractions process itself has gone through some, some remarkable evolutions over the years. Really, even just in the last ten years. I mean, you go back uh, go back to when you know USC and Miami were in in, in the headlines, right? Uh, that what they went through is, is vastly different from what a school goes through right now. I mean, even uh, you go back a couple of years, they there's the introduction of the penalty matrix and some attempts at reform and standardization uh, that were made then. Uh, that was you know six, seven, eight years. Years ago, uh, you have uh, the IRP process that kind of came about when they looked at uh, college basketball, and in, in particular, uh, has, with, with has, the various. Have we committees. had any any case actually go through that to completion? Well, to to completion to, is, is another thing, but yeah, yeah, that 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 whole thing has been not only not only has that been created, not only have schools gone through it but not finished it, but you're also seeing people kind of restudy that process and, and maybe get rid of it altogether. It's been and, a disaster. And, it, it really has. And so and then even on top of that, you're, there was a committee that formed uh, about a year and a half ago that was specifically designed to look at the infraction process. Now, that has gotten sidestepped a little bit by what's happening with this constitution and the Division One transformations. But, uh, you know, this 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 process of enforcement is, is an evolving thing, and it has been go- going through uh, various evolutions over the last couple of years. This is just the latest. Uh, you know, you mentioned outsourcing. I mean, I think uh, a lot of people have been calling on that for for decades now. 
you know, really a, a focus on, uh, you know, getting out, out of this business because why are we, why are we punishing ourselves? Yeah. You want to have a standardization of, of rules and, and making sure there's a level playing field, but you know, at the same time, the, the infractions process itself costs schools a lot of money. It, it typically punishes the current athletes, not the ones that, that went through these things. And so, uh, there, there's a whole lot of issues, a whole host of issues. And I think they're, trying to design a system that can address a lot of those shortcomings. We'll see if it ends up happening, but uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, big changes afoot on, on that front for the enforcement thing in particular, because that, that's been a sticking point for some schools uh, in the past and will continue to be going forward. I don't, I, I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of college athletics when there was really broad based support for whatever the investigation and infractions process was. So whether we, we hope that this time we found the right PDF and we figured it out, uh, history would not be on our side. But can it really get a whole lot worse than this? I mean, if you're like Mercer women's basketball, yeah, probably not. Um, the other thing that I think is very important to, to watch for, particularly how it impacts things right now, because we are literally seeing this play out in real time, is going to be what happens to the, the, the qualifications and application process and barriers to reclassification to go from FCS to FBS, Division II to Division One, right? Right now, there are you, you have to have a stadium size of X. You have to sponsor Y number of sports. There's a reclassification period. There's, there's, there's rules in place right now. And Division One, assuming, again, that, that, that this current proposal goes through, will have the ability to completely rewrite all of those rules. And what I am hearing right now, we are recording this on Tuesday the 9th here in the late afternoon, is that there is an expectation within this industry that come January and come March, when these new Division I rules are finalized, it's going to become much more difficult to reclassify from FCS to FBS. And it's going to become harder to move from Division II to Division I, potentially closing that door completely for a, a period of time as they kind of reassess what this landscape looks like, which we've had before. We've had moratoriums on, on, on reclassifications. So that means if you say joined the WAC or the A-Sun a couple of months ago with the hope of moving up as a group to become an FBS football league, my understanding is that that is now legislatively much more difficult or much less likely than it was, say, back in February. And if you're a school that, that is in a position to reclassify relatively quickly, you're going to do that right now if you can. And that's why Sam Houston and that's why Jacksonville State accepted the Conference USA invite, even though their original plans were to do that with FCS um, peers uh, at, 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 a at a future date. And uh, I would, my understanding also right now is that that is also why McNeese is not going to actually accept their invitation to the WAC. They're going to remain in the Southland where they think that's actually a more direct pass to FBS. I would not be surprised if Incarnate Word decides to stay in the Southland too, despite getting a whack invite. That's going to dramatically change the calculus for how the WAC, Southland, Ohio Valley, A-Sun, um, and potentially other leagues evaluate their membership and their strategic plans for the next couple of years. Because what you thought you were going to be able to do 10 months ago is likely not going to be what you can do now. And, and why is that important? Money. Uh, obviously, you know, especially for some of those D2 to D3 schools that are thinking about reclassifying. We, we've already seen some changes, um, you know, recently in terms of those schools moving up or down and, and vice versa. But, you know, the, the Constitutional Convention itself, the, the updated one that uh, they have been, uh, you know, kind of uh, releasing, uh, locked in essentially the uh, current distribution 
percentage for the, for the total revenue. So that the all the amount of money that the NCAA generates in terms of the NCAA tournament, you know, the March Madness as we uh, have come to know it. Uh, obviously, you throw in the the women's tournament, you throw in vice versa. That percentage that gets sent back to members in Division Two and Division Three, that percentage was locked in with this new constitutional convention. Doesn't mean necessarily that it could be changed down the road, you know. But in terms of uh, giving those D two and D three members some assurances in terms of what their slice of the pie is going to be, I think is is a big way that uh, the NCAA kind of dangled that carrot out there to have those those member schools, of which there are a lot, and they need their 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 votes to pass this thing uh, to say, hey, you know, approve this, and here's here's kind of the the amount of money that you're going to at least forecasted to get and so i think that was an important part and then the flip side as you were kind of mentioning there is is that transition you know some schools just want to move up and now is kind of the the time to either get up and 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 make those moves now uh before the summer uh when you have formal requirements for division one and formal requirements for these kind of subdivisions uh within division one changing um you know that's what these schools are kind of worried about in terms of let's get up now Let's let's get focused so we know exactly what we can get into uh, versus kind of going through the long convoluted process of changing divisions, which we don't know exactly the timeline. You go back a couple of years ago, uh, even during COVID and, and before, uh, you know, there was there were some moratoriums on schools being able to move from from divisions and, and some changes to that process. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's been uh, an a difficult time for, for some of those schools who are, who are maybe want to make the move, maybe aren't ready to make the move, but are almost being forced to right now. And so uh, it has kind of have spilled over from this constitution into conference realignment, uh, like we've been saying. And, and a lot of that is just kind of the overhead pressures that a lot of these schools are facing. I think if there's one big kind of TLDR, if you're still with us here, 25 minutes into it is one, do not expect earth shattering news on the institute NCAA constitution front this month. I am going to hop on that nine-hour Zoom, and I'm going to try to talk to people, and we'll see what kind of changes get made to this draft. It's a meaningful document, but it is mostly setting the stage for a much more significant, potentially acrimonious conversation at the Division One level in January and, and maybe after that. So if you're wondering about infractions or voting rights or what our conference bylaw setup rules, like all of that stuff is going to be resolved a little bit later. Um, and if you are a fan of a team that has FBS aspirations and they're not doing it right now, they probably aren't doing it in two years. It's it's probably going to be something that, that happens a little bit later. As we learn more, we will share it with you. We'll do that on this podcast and we'll do that uh, on, on Extra Points. Um, speaking of Extra Points, Brian, I think now is an okay time to kind of talk a little bit of uh, a little bit of meta business. I feel like there's there's no better time than uh, after just teasing folks with uh, nearly half an hour of, of bylaw talk. I, I feel like we we got to give the, the some the, the people the listeners out there something uh, tangible to to listen all the way through this podcast and, and to soak up <laughs> some of that dryness uh, about the NCA Constitutional Convention and vice versa. Are you trying to say that we couldn't have made that interesting? Listen, listen, you. I you, thought it was interesting, but you know the, what? Some people just don't like bylaws. You know, it's people, a fact of life. Look, that's true. Those people have another name, and that's most people. But you guys saw what the what the podcast episode was when you when you clicked download today. You, you knew what you were getting into, but 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 having nothing to do with that. If you hadn't seen the news on Wednesday, um, or or, or, guess, or earlier Wednesday, pretty big deal here on, on on our front. I have sold extra points. Extra points is now going to be part of the D one ticker family. 
if you are somebody that is not plugged into the college athletics industry right now, you might not know D1 Ticker. That is, uh, it is a, a really, really good email clipping service that that shares the most important headlines and information about the college sports industry. It's totally free. It comes out in the mornings and in the evenings. They also run Athletic Director U, uh, which is a website that now I will uh, have a, a, a be a part of uh, that shares kind of deeper uh, longer articles and academic research about and thought leadership around the college sports industry. Um, it's pretty exciting. I mean, like I am doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going away. Extra points is still going to continue to function. It's still going to publish. It's still going to publish the same schedule, at least for the rest of this year, I'm still going to be writing the bulk of the articles. Um, I'm just going to be joining D1 Ticker as as an employee, and they're going to take ownership of extra points, and they're going to sell the ads, and they're going to help drive bulk subscriptions, and they're going to do all of the business stuff that I was frantically trying to do while being a reporter and an editor and a dad, and I, that was difficult to do for everything. So I'm super excited about it because I think that's going to make a better quality product, a more sustainable product, and I have a little bit more predictability. And, and, and I, I can, it can make everything better. So like I, this has been, we've been in talks for months. I've been trying to do this to find a partner for a while. Really big, big relief, I think, which will ultimately benefit you, the Extra Points reader. Yeah, I mean, more than anything, it allows us to kind of do more, right? You know, just not only with this podcast, but with Extra Points, with uh, my, myself, I'm, I'm joining as well in terms of uh, my role in, in contributing some on the more on the video side as well. So uh, it, it's going to be one big happy family. And I think the biggest thing for, uh, I, I know on my end, not only the, the excitement over how Extra Points can kind of grow even more with, with this news, but, uh, you know, really what we can do that that's different, what's what's new and, and give us the, the time and the space, um, you know, because we, we don't have to worry about ad sales or hosting this podcast or, you know, whatnot. I think the ability to do even more than what we're currently doing at a time where it, it's needed. You know, I mean, let's face it. I mean, we're just talking about, about it for, for thir nearly 30 minutes in terms of the changes that are happening across Division One, um, across the NCAA. Uh, the, it's fast and furious. Every single week, there's there's major developments on a number of fronts. And I think that this news kind of allows us to address that a little bit uh, easier than, than we could have in the past. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest, it's been a source of like significant personal stress for me for the past three weeks. And, and certainly longer than that, like there's so much happening. And I'm just one guy. And I feel like I want my audience to, to get the most updated information and the best information. And I can't get I can't even stay on top of just realignment stuff, because I'm also speaking to classes and I'm doing NIL research. And I'm, I've been working on this sale for, for a long period of time. So this this is a huge blessing. But that's just extra points. And this isn't extra points. This is going for two. So you might be wondering, well, what's going to happen to this podcast? Brian, what is going to happen to this podcast? Uh, for, for you, the dear listener, not much. You know, I think it, we're going to keep keep doing this. We're going to, uh, you know, kind of expand uh, in when, when the time is needed and uh, maybe introduce some some new topics and new new guests. Uh, you know, I think what, what really, again, this allows us to do is kind of expand our horizons a little bit. And and I think the D1 tickers, I mean, truthfully, they have one of the best networks out there. Uh, they've, they've been doing this for an awful long time. The, the folks that run it uh, are, are some, some great folks. They, they are well connected within the industry. And between that, between... Uh, 
uh, ADU, between uh, you know, really everything that they've kind of built up. Uh, I think not only are we going to be able to take that kind of to the next level, but also this podcast in terms of what we're able to get in terms of our guests, uh, in terms of where where we can be heard, where we can uh, be seen. Uh, you know, I think it, the the sky is the limit right now, and uh, having that little extra runway is, is going to help tremendously for this podcast in particular, because uh, I, I think it can do nothing but make it better. And uh, that's that's given everything that has been going on. Uh, I mean, we haven't even gotten into things like college football playoff expansion yet. Uh, there, there's another meeting about that around the corner. I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on, some, some massive, massive changes. Whether you're a college football fan, whether you're a college basketball fan, which is just starting up, uh, I, I mean, this is this is the time uh, where, where the news is fast and furious on the college athletics front. And you know, truthfully, this this kind of allows us uh, a little bit more breathing room to to kind of explore other areas, and and we're hopeful to do that with this podcast. Uh, the podcast, yes, the, the 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 that's going the the podcast will be part of the D1 Ticker family as well moving forward. Right, it gives a chance for Brian and I to work together in a couple of different ways. Um, it's, I think the quality, you're right. The quality of guests and like the infrastructure supporting it, I, I, I think we'll, we'll be able to improve. There may be a time down the line where we do more podcasts, where we do some video in conjunction with those podcasts, or, or there's, there's going to be more of a, of a built-in kind of support structure for all of that. Cause, uh, Brian's going to be, you know, part of this team here too. You might see Brian on extra points. Um, you might see some other faces on extra points. You'll see me on athletic director. You sometimes like if you, I, I've shared this a, a few times, but I'm hosting a podcast with athletic director. You that publishes on, uh, on Tuesdays through the end of the college football season with navigate uh, about their, their playoff projections. Those are the kind of things that you're going to, that you're going to see more as well. So in the short term, no huge changes. Hopefully once the dust settles a little bit, you're going to get a, a an audio and a text product with higher production values, with deeper connections to this industry, something that's a little bit more sustainable. And then, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier for Brian to buy diapers and, and for me to buy Lunchables, which is really the most important thing about all of this. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the gray hairs. I have not gotten a haircut in like three, four months right now. So, you know, like just having a, a few minutes between calls uh, among, among, amongst conference realignment and coaching searches and AD searches and everything that's going on to just run out and be able to get my haircut. Uh, hopefully this this allows us to do that and then get some some of those great interviews, um, you know, in, in, in front of you, dear listeners, because, uh, you know, I think that that we want to keep doing this not only on, on a weekly basis, but um, really kind of take it to the next level. You know, we, we've seen the stats and we've seen how, how, how it's been growing. And, and we think, uh, you know, with this partnership, uh, we, we can only keep growing it, but um, you know, take it to that next level. And I think that's, that's what's exciting about this move for, for me and, and for you, I, I know as well is uh, it really does kind of put a lot more options on the plate uh, that we can kind of bring to the masses. So I, I, I think that that's a, that's a good place to kind of to leave off. We're, we're, we're in the process of trying to book a couple of like big, bigger name guests that I'm, I'm really excited about that I think will be good for this show. If you're just joining us, look, now, now's a great time to hop on board. Now's a great time to make sure you're subscribed to, to say uh, both to this podcast and to Extra Points. Extra Points can be free too. You still get those two newsletters. Um, and it's, it's, it's a victory lap. It's, it's proof that our proof of concept here has been successful that you can build a good podcast and build a good newsletter that serves a niche audience that does something a little bit different. And not only can you grow it, but that it can be a real business and, 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 and be sustainable for, for a large number of people, which um, not everybody in this industry, I think, agreed with when we started these things. It's it, it, now it's great to see that validation. Um, 
what else are you working on real quick that we should let the people know about before we hop off here? Uh, a lot going on over at Athlon Sports, still still doing that on, on the writing front as well. Um, you know, when the NFL going crazy this this past weekend and, and all that that entails, uh, we got some some coaching search uh, stuff on, on Athlon. Uh, my regular Monday columns have step drop. Uh, that'll all be on the website too. So you can always find that and, and links to that on my Twitter feed at Brian D. Fisher. You could find me at Matt Brown EP. Um, I am, uh, we've got one other story, I think coming up here on extra points here this week, we've got a, a full publishing schedule for next week. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break around Thanksgiving. Um, and as, as we kind of also work behind the scenes to, uh, get everything ready for this transition and, and this merger and, and building all that backend stuff, I will do my very best to keep the dust away from all of you, the reader and the listener, but y'all know how it is. Uh, thank you. Thank you for for supporting us through through another episode here, and, and for being on a, being with us here on this journey. Like, uh, I, it, it is, means more to me than I can easily convey uh, over the audio here. Like, th- this community that's been built around these two products has literally changed my life. Um, thank you, everybody here for listening and for being a part of it. I think the best is yet to come for all of this. We'll catch up with you next week. 